The Drive Show with Peter Vlahos. Toolmark, your complete tool centre. Proudly WA owned and operated for over 40 years. I reckon it was the first moment when uh, you probably were yelling in the box, but um, someone handballed over to Boots and he was shoulders out and we had JD long inside the 50 and he looked in board to try and handball it back to me and uh, Liam ended up stuffing the kick. So that was probably the moment yeah. where I thought the boys need to chill and we need to win this game, not just, just focus on me. Well, they focused on JK and as we know, it's a lot's been said, a lot of dialogue since the final siren sounded at about a quarter to five yesterday afternoon here at the Stadium. Josh Kennedy, eight goals to his AFL career. The curtain has come down and uh, the players were certainly looking for him. But in the end, you had to get into a position for them to deliver the ball and he did just that and he kicked beautifully yesterday. So congratulations to Josh Kennedy, who doesn't look like he should be giving the game away. That was a towering performance yesterday. Plenty happening. We'd love you to join us on the Temper of Bedshed text line 0487 736 736 or give us a call on the Scarborough Toyota open line 13 12 55. Kim Hagdorn, good afternoon to you. Big effort by Kennedy yesterday. Amazing, wasn't it? I mean, I, I, I sort of thought going into the game, uh, if he kicked three or four, it was healthy uh, and, and it would be very emotional. It was emotional before the game. I, I think it was mm. quite tear-jerky when he you know, finally came up. The, the team went out and then he finally came out. Uh, very tear-jerky sort of moment. And I think for everyone at West Coast and everyone in WA, Aussie rules football, perhaps WA sport, will remember that as a, as a very significant day, <laughs> particularly because he went on, not that he was actually finishing there and there was the emotion before the game and it's been a big lead up from last Tuesday when it was confirmed finally that this game against Adelaide on Sunday afternoon uh, of August 7 was going to be the last match for, for Josh Kennedy. But to kick eight goals, I think that was beyond most people's dreams. I, I think possibly even beyond Josh Kennedy's dreams. And fortunately, it he has had a wonderful closure, Josh Kennedy, to his personal career and it closes his, his 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 series of chapters as a West Coast Eagles great. And I, I lay on the record as strong as I possibly can. There's no argument over the uh, over the Chris Judd, Josh Kennedy trade. Josh Kennedy and West Coast clearly won that mm. trade clearly significantly. It, it's a nonsense to try to oh, we won the trade. You know, Judd Judd won best and best. Judd yeah. won the Brownlow. Kennedy is a person that has this helped to re-establish the West Coast Eagles culture. I have to find a negative out of all of this, though, because I think the culture of West Coast Eagles pre the last 18 months to two years and yesterday shadowed where West Coast is currently at. Yeah. Because it is unacceptable to me that that game was lost by West Coast yesterday at home. It's not as if that was at Adelaide Oval. It was at home against a bottom four team. Who'd only won bunch, six games. A bunch of kids. Yeah, and they were a bunch of kids. There was a couple of commentators in the media box saying, Pete, are you across of all these Adelaide players? Some of them we don't know much about. And I must admit, I did a lot more homework on Adelaide mm, this week yeah, yeah. from an identification point of view because there were some players you hadn't seen a lot in the AFL this season. And as I said before coming on, there was only two players in their 30s in Adelaide, and that was uh, Tex Walker and Smith. Uh, who was 30. Rory Laird, who played his 200th game, is 28. And the rest are in their mid and particularly in their low 20s. And there's even a couple of teenagers in there. And I thought to myself, watching Adelaide yesterday, 
and the endeavour that was shown by these young players is where the West Coast Eagles should be. And they're clearly not. Yesterday, they had one of the most experienced teams on the ground, and they still, they still could not deliver the four points. And still they sit with only two wins for the season, which is quite disappointing. West Coast have lost 25 of their last 29 games. West Coast have lost 14. So where's the acid here? Well, there's only a little bit of acid coming from you and I fairly regularly on, on Adam Simpson, the coach. The entire program of demise and decline is Adam Simpson's handling. The last two, one and a half to two years. And they are unfit. Unfit to the extent where, in my opinion, players like Jack Redden are finished. Jack Redden run down from behind at the 30-minute mark of the match yesterday when West Coast might pinch it by Himmelberg. Have you heard of Harry Himmel? Have you heard of Himmelberg? I mean, the only so, f- first time I heard about him is when the Dockers supposedly were interested in him last week. It was mooted by Michelangelo Rucci. Liam Duggan, a kick in to Redden. He gets outmarked by Hinge. Duggan, outmarked by Fogarty. Luke, Luke, Luke Shuey in the opening three minutes in my opinion, contributed to two of Adelaide's early goals. They kicked three in, a, in five minutes, Adelaide, to signify that we are on. I'll, I'll run through Adelaide's better players and just... So Berry is 20. Murphy's 23. Fogarty's 22. Hinge is 24. Murphy, 23. West Coast best players, Kennedy, 35. Nat Newey, 32. Barass. Mm. Who was good yesterday? I, I thought he was. I thought he was. Kennedy was their best. Yeah, yeah but he Barassi, was good. Kelly twenty eight, Hearn thirty five, Cripps thirty. That, that's West Coast better players as named, uh, and I think that's probably accurate. But Adelaide had a bunch of kids, and and arguably, um, perhaps perhaps best on ground, perhaps best on ground. Rory Laird, but I think Kennedy overshadowed. Kennedy's performance overshadowed once again a lot of things that is happening at West Coast and not happening. And the worst of it is, in my opinion, how grossly unfit they are. Mm. West Coast can't run games out. They can't run quarters out. I mean, Gaff's dropped Mark. Now, this is not at the end of the game. This is a, this is a player who's either, either playing injured, Andrew Gaff, or very much past his use-by date as a player. He's dropped, dropped chest mark. At the uh, at the two or three minute mark of the first term that led to Adelaide's second goal, it, it's it, you can't accept that. But we we gloss over it. Adam Simpson glosses over it to the extent where, post match, he's actually laid a platform, and a foundation, to lose the derby. I know, and he reckons that the game that they've just encountered with all the euphoria around Josh Kennedy, has probably sapped his players. Uh, but that's fine if they'd won it. <laughs> but they if he, didn't. If they'd got up in the dying stages and just exuded everything and got over the line and didn't miss those last couple of shots for goal, even Josh Kennedy missed one himself in the dying moments. I think there's a 25-minute mark. I'd have to check that. Kennedy's miss at the 25-minute mark from 20 metres out because he's a tired mm. man. And then, I mean, Williams, Williams run into the open goal and hits the post. I know it was only a nick, but... They they just couldn't run the game out. Who, I, who kicked I, the last two goals of the game? Himmelberg and Fogarty. Can I tell you something? The AFL to me, every other sport that I know, professional sport, it's a results-based business. It doesn't seem to be a results-based business for a lot of what happens in the AFL. If you're looking at results, 
then there has to be a serious question. But okay, we, we bought the COVID stuff. We bought the problems they had with injury pre-season. But we got to the buy and we expected improvement well, after the buy. There us. hasn't been any improvement. They've won one game against a side that was going like a busted wheel, and that was Essendon at the time. And they still aren't much better. Adam Simpson kept telling us going into the buy, towards the buy, week after week, when we get through the buy and we get some players back, it'll look a lot different. Well, it hasn't. It hasn't looked much different at all. They lost 25 of their last 29. That's a winning ratio of 13.8%. West Coast, this, this is the one that I reckon really hurts. It, it's, it's just unacceptable. They've lost 10 of their 11 home games in 2022. They've lost 14 of their last 26. And as you say, Peter, there's very little accountability. And Adam Simpson gets away yesterday with, it's going to be a challenge, <laughs> the Derby. I've spoken about that to the leaders already. Six-day break. Big game, obviously, for us and the club. We can't get anywhere on the ladder other than going down. So we know that. And then we've gone, we've got Geelong in Geelong. And that will put some hairs on your chest as well. End of quote. I mean, that's suggesting to us we can't win the Derby. We can't certainly can't beat Geelong in Geelong. Okay. Let me ask you a question uh, before we go to the open line. There's been a few texts already come through. In fact, Roy from Templestone, Melbourne's listening, and he's going to come on the line in the moment. Mark McVeigh had to justify saying that he felt a lot of his players had checked out. To me, it seems quite a few West Coast players possibly have checked out as well in relation to their performances. Now, here we go. I think we're all getting sick of the Eagles just losing or should have won. They have forgotten how to win. There's one text. Another one. Uh, Not as yet. We have to expect them to lose and we won't be disappointed. Maybe pleasantly surprised one day, hopefully before the end of the season. I can't see him winning a game before the end of the season. Uh, Hi, boys. Over the last few months, you have a continued push for Jack Redden to be delisted at the end of the year. Firstly, I won't be surprised to see Redden finish in the top five best and fairest for the club this year in a season where... Uh, constantly being asked to play out of position, wing rather than inside men. Well, men. He he's playing on a wing because he's too slow and he's past his best to play inside and he's very slow on the wing. Jack Redden it should be one of the first to retire. However, I think he's one of the first that is going to say I'm playing on because he's had a trigger in his contract to get him into 2023. And I don't fall for that at all. Okay, he goes uh, on to say... He will finish He will finish in the top four or five, which will be... A, 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 an indictment? An indictment on the entire group that a player who I reckon he sneaks four or five or six possessions. He's a clever player. You ever look how many times Jack Redden is the transition player from, you know, a kick, a barass across to Hearn, to Redden, mm. to Gaff, and there's four back to Redden, back to Gaff. There's been a lot of those. And he goes on to say, uh, what really surprises me is that you haven't put the blowtorch onto Andrew Gaff. Gaff is a shadow of the former player he was. He can barely run these days. His disposal is so bad that at times I wonder if he's purposely kicking the way to get another cheap touch. Anyway, we'll come back to more of those in a moment. Roy joins us on the uh, uh, Scarborough Toyota open line, 13 12 55. Hey, Roy, how are you going? G'day, Pete. G'day, Hags. How are you? G'day. How are you, Roy? Thanks for I'll say I'll say this in I'll say this in English, Pete, not Greek. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, it was great to see as a passionate Eagles supporter, you know, you know I am. Um, it was great to see a little bit of a there was glimpses of a fight for the boys. It was really good to see. And another comment was about Tommy Barras. 
and uh, Scotty Cummings has put him into all Australian, and now people are starting to realise how good of a full, uh, backman he is. And and all the all Australian players, they're always teams that are in the top eight, top four. Um, but it's really good to see, like the team that's at 17 has a back line or has a full back that's in the all Australian team. I think he's an All-Australian. We, we've said it a few times, Roy, uh, over the last several weeks. I, I think from certainly from the bye onwards, uh, he, he's just been so powerful and, and such a powerhouse. He's intercept marking it. That, I think one thing is, though, he's a victim of West Coast established playing style. He moves the ball too slowly for mine. But I think what he does, he's intercepting, uh, he's spoiling, he's intercept spoiling as well. <laughs> And he seems there's been a couple of times when I've been annoyed with him where he hasn't gone body on body with his opponent, but he's seldom beaten. Um, the other rivals would be, I suppose, and I don't think they've been as consistent as the likes of Darcy Moore. Mm. At, uh, but it depends where he gets picked. If he's the fullback, Darcy Moore, probably a centre halfback contender. Certainly, Stephen May would be my all Australian fullback. I think he's. Just an outstanding defender. But in terms of a season played, and as as Roy has pointed out quite astutely there, with the sort of season that has been on Tom Barras as fullback in a team going as poorly as West Coast, West Coast having you know an average of 40 uh, inside 50s themselves uh, a game throughout the season and getting 55, 60 inside 50s you know, launched at Tom Barras, he's the All-Australian fullback. But you've got to get Stephen May and perhaps Darcy more into that as I see their seasons as well. Certainly Stephen May. Okay, just some news regarding the Eagles. Tim Kelly with that dangerous tackle, a bit of a sling tackle in that third quarter on Sam Berry of Adelaide. It was classed as careless, median impact and high contact. And he's been offered a one-match sanction. So uh, he'll be out of the derby. I don't, I don't think he could sort of challenge nah, that at all. I it's think pretty it's... blatant. It is a sling, in yeah, my opinion. Yeah. Uh, it is a dangerous one. And Patrick Cripps, by the way, a two-match ban for that crude bump on Callum Archie of well, the Brisbane Lions. So he, he misses the, the final two home and away games and Carlton is sliding a bit. And we'll talk about, about that uh, after the just, break, Hags. Just quickly, also worth considering there, I suppose, Cripps, it's the first really big name to be rubbed out. Assuming he gets it, they challenge it. They'd have to go all the way to an appeal to try and get it even reduced to a game. Either way, if, they, if he got off, he's still eligible for the Brownlow. If not then he is out of the race for the Brownlow because he's a suspended player. I'm not so sure he's a front-runner anyway. I reckon he had a pretty good start to the season. He, Patrick Cripps would have probably mid-20s votes, but mm. just while we're on that, we'll come back to it if we get a chance. Lockie Neal. 32 disposals. I thought he was best on ground yeah. for Brisbane yesterday and probably more votes, and I think it kicks him in front of Clayton Oliver. Does Clayton Oliver get votes from last Friday night? For Collingwood and Melbourne fans, give that a thought. I, I think he was probably best on ground, mm. but it's worth debating. All right, we're going to talk more about it. And also, uh, by the way, uh, some other the footy headlines. Uh, the Frio injury report had just come out. Uh, small forward Sam Switkowski is set to make his return from a back injury. But Matt Tabernar is likely to miss the rest of the home and away season after sustaining that calf strain against the Western Bulldogs. All those updates, thanks to Tyre Power. Buy three and get one free on selected Kumo passenger car and SUV tyres, all at Tyre Power. And don't forget the, the Birmingham 2022 Commonwealth Games, uh, the final 24 hours uh, overnight. They're live and free and exclusive on 7 and 7 Plus. Download the 7 Plus app for your smart TV, mobile 
or tablet now. Back with Haggers and more news. Don't go away. We'd love to hear from you on the Temper of Bedshed text line 0487 736 736. Or just like Roy. Good on you, Roy. On the Scarborough Toyota Open Line 131255. It was great. Um, <clears throat> loved the way the players approached the week. They came to they came to work um, knowing we hadn't put in a great performance last Friday night and got to work. And um, yeah, we set the week up really well. They uh, yeah they they prepared themselves really well. And um, yeah, I thought it was back to one of our more you know, consistent performances of the year. Oh, yeah, so yeah, I was really proud of the players. Justin Longmuir there, the coach of the Fremantle Dockers after their Saturday afternoon win against the Western Bulldogs in the lounge room there uh, under the lid at Marvel Stadium where they tend to go okay and they went okay on the weekend. But Rory Lobb, uh, who was given 10 votes by the coaches, five from each, uh, he, best he, on ground. I thought Luke Ryan was he, the best, he wasn't the best Dockers. Luke, Rory Lobb wasn't best on ground. But, Probably, but, he did, but he did well in front of his new employer, yeah, didn't he? He did well in front did, of his new employer. Didn't he say to them in a job interview, "Look, <laughs> let's just let's just put the uh, the black ink on the contract now because I can kick goals from fifty five metres right on the boundary hey. line. No stutter. Don't worry about the blonde hair that shouldn't be here. I can kick four goals from seven kicks and be written up as best. He was not best on ground. What does it tell he you about mindset? He would have been in a positive mindset and he thought, well, I could do this. Yet he's been here at Optus Stadium at times where he couldn't hit the side of a barn. Could it be that it's a comfort zone when you're within an environment that you are really able to feel very confident in, within yourself? So your self-esteem is strong. His girlfriend, his partner, is in Melbourne. Yeah. Has been for months and Only months and months. about six months, yeah. Well, she's been back here. She was over there last year when he wanted to get, get over to Melbourne or Eastern, mm. State, Eastern Seaboard. She came back home for the summer. She wanted to go back because the, the establishment was, well, let's just do what I can at Fremantle to get traded for next year. I even understand that one or two of people uh, around that circle of uh, family in Melbourne have had a lot to do as a mediator in getting Rory Lobb's deal at the Western Bulldogs. Or St Kilda, if anything, fell over at the Bulldogs. Mm-hmm. It's not going to fall over now, but for mine, not best on ground. Luke Ryan was best on ground. You can't be best on ground from seven kicks and four two. You lose a vote or two, surely, by missing the two. If he's had seven kicks and kicked six straight... Mm. then maybe, certainly second best on ground, but not Luke Ryan was best on ground. One thing I thought about Fremantle, Pete, was that they revitalised that style from early in the season. The opening four months of the season, or three months in particular, when when Fremantle were just very confident, very bold to run from defence. But it had a combination of something fresh and new as well. The the whole victory was set up at half... I thought at half-time, Fremantle aren't going to lose this. No. Because the Bulldogs had had been... not embarrassed, but they'd been embarrassed into a submission that Fremantle on the road were, were in total control of the game. And I thought it was very um, were commendable, the specific brand of ball retention that Fremantle established. Now, it was that kick-mark game. That's not entirely their preferred because it's a kick to a mark and then go is what was their brand when they ran to, what, uh, nine and two inside the first 11 and then 11... And uh, and three, uh, twelve and three at their bye. Uh, that was a. It wasn't so much kick mark, hold the ball, wait, patient. 
it was on Saturday. And at half time, I thought it was just conclusive. Fremantle are going to win this as long as they come out and just keep playing the same way. At half time, uncontested marks, they'd had 73 to the Bulldogs 30. So the point being is they just wouldn't allow the Bulldogs to play their game. And the Bulldogs game, as we said last Thursday, high high possession, high retention to run the ball, handball, run. They run and handball and share the ball and run it forward quickly and score on the run. Their offense is their best means of defense. I thought Fremantle's game set up the capacity for Fremantle to work their way through. And we did say that if the Bulldogs had a real weakness, a vulnerability last Thursday, it was their defence. And therefore, when Lobb played his first half like he did, Tabner played his first half like he did, and the small crumbing forwards were chipping in with goals at the opportunities that were coming in, that was what they set up their, their, their win. I thought it was very impressive. And I thought also, just in closing, Pete, that their defenders played a massive part in that as well. The sharing of the ball of Ryan... Clark and Chapman especially. So Luke yeah, Ryan, very good. combined best on ground. Clark, one of the best on ground contenders. Heath Chapman, certainly one of Fremantle's better players. 32 possessions, 26 disposals and 24 disposals. And 36 marks between them. Uh, uh, their back line held strong. And, of course, Griffin Logue proved, again, a, a great swingman well, that he is for the Dockers in 2022. Let's just go to Lisa. She's been waiting uh, patiently on the line. Uh, hello, Lisa. How are you? Yeah, good, thanks, um, Pete and, and Kim. Um, the, the only shining light that came out of um, the Bulldogs was young Sam Darcy, um, Luke Darcy's son. Yeah, I, thought yeah. he, I thought he played a brilliant game, that young kid. Um, and I think he's going to be a big asset to, to the Bulldogs. Um, just on Josh Kennedy, before I get, got, get on to a couple of things that I've heard, but it's bubbling around the place. Um, Josh Kennedy, what a way to bow out. Eight goals, just absolutely sensational. And the guy's just a legend and a, and a champion. And um, he's just going to be so sorely missed around that club. And just quickly on JK too, I heard Scoey on the radio yesterday saying that um, he was really battling with that knee and he was mm. having fluid taken out of his knee mm. um, some, once a week or even twice weekly to, to get him back on the park. So he's, he's, done, a, he's done a bloody good job getting out there. So and also too on the, on just on the Eagles, I can't believe that um, Simo's already coming out making excuses about um, you know the, the Eagles probably won't be turning up on on Saturday to play the the Derby um, because of the six game you know six day uh, turnaround. Yeah. And I, I you know for a coach, I think that's pretty poor um, coming out and saying stuff like that. And um, also too, their conditioning program needs to be seriously looked at next year. And the players need to be told that you need to come back in better nick after yeah. the break. Well, no, well, fair the call, Lisa. With that, thanks, Lisa. Yeah, anything else you wanted to throw out? Because I've got a view. Yeah, on I it. just wanted um, also too. There's just been a couple of things that have been bubbling around. Mm-hmm. And first of all, I want to touch on. Um, I've heard a whisper that Willie Rioli um, has um, supposedly come out and said he wants to um, explore his options elsewhere, which I find uh, pretty bizarre and laughable after what the Eagles have, you know, held the, um, his place open mm. there after what, it, what he'd done. And also, too, I've heard that Dean Cox and um, his family are wanting to come back to Perth and that um, Simo could be um, heading back to the Ruse and Coxie might be taking over. <laughs> well, so yeah. I don't know whether you've heard anything on that, um, Haggers or not. 
All right, oh, good on you, Lisa. We'll discuss. Lisa. We'll discuss those in a couple of minutes' time, if we could, because um, we just want to. Fo- I, fo- I just want to focus on the Dockers for the time, and then we'll yeah. come back to those bubbling issues. Okay, then. But what you say, yeah, Lisa sort of has got a finger on the pulse. She's yeah. got a, hasn't got a bad network. One thing I'll say. Okay, let's let's broaden this to everybody, as opposed yeah. to just West Coast. Lisa's comment about you know, go away and come back in trim condition. That doesn't work if they don't. You've got to make sure that you, we are going to make you. We're going to put you in trim condition. You will follow this program. You say to a bunch, of, and at any level of sport, you say to any bunch, come back fit. Don't come back unfit. You've lost them if they come back unfit mm, because mm. it's too late. You lose two months of, of uh, holiday. So that's one area where I reckon West Coast. Conversely, this is one of the reasons why Fremantle are where they're at with what they did last summer. From the moment they finished last season, a bunch of those kids, driven by Caleb Sarong, mostly. Andrew Brayshaw's talked about as the future captain and Darcy, uh, big Sean Darcy, he's a big ringleader. He trains hard. You know, he'll do everything. The big ropes, the weights, he'll run. But Caleb Sarong was the one who kept saying to the whole group, come on, boys, we've got it. This was during their holiday. Mm. Well, West Coast, all their old blokes put their feet up. <laughs> all their old blokes came back to training and it was too hard. So they'd sit on the side. They'd do the rehab. This is why one of the this is one of the major reasons why Fremantle are where they're at, and why they revitalised their footy on Saturday. It was much more like what they did in the first three months of the season, which was a very fit, healthy, hard running, ball sharing bunch of blokes who'd done it all summer and said, "We're going to have a big year. We've got to have a big year, 2022." Sick of missing finals six years in a row, and it was a massive help to the management and certainly the coach and the coaching staff because their players took it upon themselves. The ownership, I think, is the is the expression. Okay. Now, there's a lot of Texas coming through. We're going to go to one in just a moment. But, Haggers, when you beat Melbourne, you beat Geelong down in Geelong, mm. you've beaten the Bulldogs who were last year's grand finalists, you've beaten Brisbane. All of a sudden, Frio had the ability to knock over the top sides this season. So, all of a sudden, people are thinking – they should get the Eagles next Saturday evening. And it's going to be a wet Saturday, by the way. So get ready for another wet game of football and whether the Dockers can stand up in oh, those Fremantle conditions. Fremantle will still win that. And, and then they go and take on GWS, who yeah. probably would have checked out. So they're going to win their final two games. Before we go to some of these texts, out of respect for the people that have sent them through on the temper of bedshed text line at 0487 736 736, can they in your calculations, get into the top four or will they fall just shy? I think they'll fall shy. And we've been saying this for a couple of weeks. And uh, and I, I did make some of this assessment. I thought the Bulldogs would be better. One thing in closing on the Bulldogs, I thought they were really poor after halftime. But I think this was because of the way Fremantle were forcing them to play. Because even around the midfield, I thought Sarong and Akers on his wing, Mundy again. Mm. Monday again? He doesn't again, want to go. Again, no, well, literally. I've heard <laughs> he he's really dirty. I've heard he's really dirty. But he had a good game. Uh, Brody to a lesser degree. He didn't have as many possessions, 17. But the way they worked the ball around the midfield, uh, it was forcing the Bulldogs when they did win possession because there was still then a physical harassment. When they didn't have possession of the ball, I thought the Bulldogs were really guilty of shocking disposal forward. They kept bombing the ball long. And that's what made the likes of Ryan and Cox to a lesser degree and Pierce. To, to a large degree. Mm. They didn't get the big numbers, Cox and Pierce, but they were able to destroy the ball or take the uncontested marks and work the ball back through their defenders. So I was really disappointed with the Bulldogs really 
bombing the ball, almost conceding. We're getting done here. Yeah. Let's get this one out of the way. I still don't discount them, the Bulldogs. I don't think you can get in with 12 wins. I think you'd They're need more than that. They're six points out at the moment, aren't they? Well, no, yeah, six points behind Richmond. I think Richmond will beat Hawthorne and Essendon, and that's that keeps them in. They so keep, they get yeah, 54. They'll finish, they'll finish seventh or eighth. I think Carlton are in massive trouble. Carlton have got Melbourne and then Collingwood. And Carlton, for the first three quarters yesterday against Brisbane, were just disgusting. That yeah. was pathetic from a team that is ranting and raving about a top eight, top four contenders, this sort of stuff. So I still think Fremantle chasing Brisbane and Sydney and Melbourne. They're two points behind all of those. I think Brisbane can beat St Kilda. Then they've got Melbourne. I think Sydney can beat probably Collingwood. Then they've got St Kilda. And Melbourne have got Carlton and Brisbane. So Collingwood have got Sydney and Carlton. I think Fremantle finish fifth or sixth, okay. probably fifth. We'll get to all these checks after the break. Don't go away. There's plenty bubbly under the surface. For Toolmart, the complete tool centre, this is Drive with Peter Vlahos and Kim Hagdorn on this AFL Review Monday night. The Drive Show with Peter Vlahos. Toolmart, your complete tool centre. Proudly WA owned and operated for over 40 years. The hour is flying by. If you want to get involved, you better get so involved much more now. To go through. All right, Haggers, just wait. We'll get there, son. 0487 736 736. The temperate bedshed text line. We're going to get to these texts, but you've got some seemingly breaking news, yeah. some hot news regarding Nick Nat Nui for the final couple of weeks of the season. I think Nick Nat Nui's done. I thought he battled manfully yesterday. I did hear through the week, Peter, and we didn't discuss it deeply enough on Thursday when we were looking at teams and so mm. on. I did hear that there was a number of players at West Coast that were very unlikely to play yesterday, but they wanted to take the risk, injury risk, uh, to play in, in Josh Kennedy's send-off match. So Nick Nat knew he was one of those. He's having real trouble with his knee. It keeps blowing up, and he's also got some soft tissue concerns as well. I think he'll certainly miss the derby this week on just the six-day break. So it's yesterday, even though it's in high, at home, and, I, and they're supposedly professional athletes, we keep getting told that they were going to be better in the mm. second half of this year. Why wouldn't you come up off a six-day break? It's not as if they're playing Gold Coast or GWS. It's Fremantle. It's a derby. And surely you get yourself up if you possibly can. But I think Nick Natanui is going to fall short. I think he's struggling with injury. And, 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 then they won't take, and they won't take him to Geelong. So that's why I don't think Nick Natanui plays again in the last couple of games yeah. this season. And I think there'll be one or two others too. I think Jake Waterman, who I noticed yesterday had a very heavily strapped right knee. Mm. And that, for the last few weeks, has just been getting more and more heavily strapped. When he came out on the ground yesterday, I thought, oh, jeepers, that's normally what you look like at half time to get yourself through games. Watch for him, I think, also to perhaps need some surgery pretty soon. There might have been one or two others to send them to surgery now because I, I get the impression Adam Simpson has laid the foundation for a big loss in the Derby, a big loss against Geelong the final game of the season, and during which time I think he perhaps even knows we might not have some players available that you would like to have in your 22. All right, let's just rattle through these. Jack Darling, shocking, dropped three uncontested chess marks inside 50 yesterday. It certainly wasn't his game. We've had we've said enough about Jack Darling on this program this season. Not really. He's on $930,000 a year this year. But we've said and that. Ham, and he's on a million next year. Do you expect him to do Well, Reds? he needs to step up now that Josh Kennedy's well, he, not he there. He did last week. Yeah. Kicked the, kicked the six last week against Gold Coast. And my suggestion now is that they're going to need that very regularly from West Coast or for West Coast to be any kind of a rebound 
team for next year. 2023, the start of the rebuild year. With Kennedy gone, Darling has to be able to produce what he did last week. No excuses. No, They'll go to him more often. You can't be dropping the amount of marks he dropped like he did yesterday. So you can't say he didn't get enough chances. He dropped three chest marks. Mm, okay, Norm, I know you knew Hags from Armadale Senior High School. So this is tongue-in-cheek. Norman Cal, I hope West Coast lose the next 40 Western Derby. So Frio have won more. And we can stick it to the nasty West Coast fans like Mr. Kim Hagdorn. Good on you, Norm. I thought Hang I'd on. acknowledge that. A West Coast fan? Yeah, well, he's that's, that's an... he's your mate from the Armadale Senior High School. Well, then he should know. Okay, I Pete and Haggers, does Bailey Banfield come in this week for Tabena, or do Frio look at maybe just Sam Sturt? Having O'Driscoll back in the side made a difference. Goal of the year contender. What do you think of that? Good on you, Mike, from Palmyra. Yeah, um, I went through some lineups today because whether Adam Simpson likes it or not, uh, this is a derby, and we need to treat it as a significant event in West Australian sport. Yeah. A Western derby is a big game. And the argument I came up with, both teams... We knew that Tabernacle was going to miss. They're calling it a calf. I think it might even be, it was a very low ice packing on that right Achilles. Mm-hmm. So it might be, it's a very low calf, low down on his leg. So it might be more than just three weeks, but at least with the bye after round 23, it'll give him another extra week or so to recover. But both teams for the Derby are looking for key forward replacements. Kennedy gone, not playing, and now Tabernacle. And with the Tabernacle one, I came up with a couple of alternatives. You could play Logue again, so yeah. Logue and Lob, but to leave Logue as a key forward and not go, have his turn in the ruck, he could play like Lob has done, and that's what he's done. I reckon he's done it pretty well, uh, Griffin Logue. You could go with that and then go with Sam Sturt as a smaller forward, especially now if it's going to be wet. Or, and I, this is a long shot, and I've been calling for this, Lloyd Meek to play just off the bench with Sean Darcy and then you could have Logue and Lobb as pretty much permanent forwards. And Darcy, because he's not marking it much, Sean Darcy, heavy workload coming up for Sean Darcy this last couple of weeks. And then, of course, the finals, finals. where he's going to be pivotal. So perhaps rest him a little bit, bring in Meek. But with the weather, probably not. Yeah. It's a long shot. So more likely Sturt as a smaller crumbing forward and Logue to share that key forward role with Rory Lobb and load to do the rucking instead of Rory Lobb as he has done historically while he's been here at Fremantle. Okay, so there you go. That's that one. Just looking at Saturday, by the way, the long-range forecast is we're looking at around about 5 to 10 mils and uh, the, uh, there's a high chance of showers. So it'll be wet to a certain degree. Now, here's Paul. Paul says North Melbourne have an away game against Adelaide and a home game against the Gold Coast to finish the season. Yep. And this was discussed this morning. Do the West Coast collect the wooden spoon and get the first pick in the draft, or do they show some credibility and try and avoid the wooden spoon? This is uh, Paul saying, can they gain 6% on the Eagles and hand West Coast a wooden spoon so they can pick up Jackson in the preseason draft? I, I, one thing has to happen at West Coast and that's to use that preseason draft really yeah. wisely. Now, haven't we been saying that for weeks? Whether it's pick one or pick two, doesn't really matter in that preseason draft. I reckon they could have gotten they they could have gotten a, a, a Tim English. They could have gotten a Liam Baker. They decided not to come because West Coast is not a destination club at the moment. No. There's not a lot of players out there saying, "Oh, I'll go and help West Coast out of their mire." They've it's been coming for two years. Managers and football clubs. And football players around the country have been seeing it for years. They've been hearing it for the young players at West Coast about we don't get a chance. The coach always goes to his old mates. He always goes to the old blokes. He always goes to the old blokes who haven't trained hard for the last six months. 
he is not showing any favour towards the youth. So that that's around the competition. What? West Coast is not a destination club, Peter. Okay, so... But this, in terms of the finishing last, West Coast will lose percentage in, in the Geelong. last two games. Well, and certainly this week. But if Geelong have stitched up top spot, hypothetically, could they maybe, as they did on the weekend, Dangerfield was uh, managed, uh, Joel Selwood was managed, they might manage a few of their no, players. No, the management will be... Have a good hit out against West Coast because then you've got a fortnight off and then we've got a must-win first-up final over whoever finishes fourth. Right. I I think and, – and also the one thing about Geelong, I also made a note of it here. What about with Geelong? So, Selwood Blixavs is another one. Yeah. Dangerfield all rested. What about the versatility in their personnel? They've got blokes that are playing for spots. They get one chance or two chances because these three guns, those three boys walk back in as soon as they're ready. And the flexibility and the unpredictability and, and the quick style they're playing and the controlled systems, everyone is capable of playing it. So they're not going to have relying on, you know, 16 or 18 or 20 good top-line players. They're going to have 25 or 26 that could all play the same sorts of roles. Zach Tui, Jack Henry, Blixavs, Duncan, Menegola, they can play any amount of positions. And, and what they can do... And there's no guaranteed selection. And what they can do, and what we've seen as we go to the break, they just have scoring bursts for a quarter or so, oh. blow the other team off the park, yeah. and then just so, basically cruise so who, to the finish line. Who asked the question about North Melbourne? Because uh, I, I think West Coast percentage in itself Paul, Paul. will fall down behind... So the 61 now, 5.4 ahead of North Melbourne. North Melbourne's two games against Adelaide and Gold Coast, there's possibly even a win there for North Melbourne with the way they played. They, they were gutsy against Sydney yesterday, yeah, yeah. really gutsy. And Larky kicking seven, he's hard to stop. So if there's a bit of spirit around them, they could get a – I don't know about Adelaide in Adelaide, but certainly Gold Coast at, at uh, Marvel, Marvel to finish the season, North Melbourne. But – the percentage, if North Melbourne lost both of those, they're not going to get beaten badly. And West Coast could well get beaten badly in the Derby and at Geelong and drop down below 55%. OK, we're going to take a break. Of course, you can see all the Commonwealth Games action on 7 Plus uh, the last 24 hours of the event. Watch uh, event replays, minis, uh, trending highlights and all the best action on demand. Plus, keep up to date with the medal tally results and event schedule. Back with more in a moment here on Drive.